0: Hi there, this is the Rev. Michael Lowry, Pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. These days, if you're trying to find your way up to our camp in Maine, there's a couple of well-built signs along our road with all the camp owners' names and house numbers neatly posted and I guarantee these are going to get you to us very quickly and easily. However, it wasn't too many years ago that each of our neighbors on the lake had created their own signs, brightly painted with a family name on them and an arrow pointing the right way to go, and hung on trees at basically any point where someone could get lost along the way, which were many. Now granted, the new signs... They're very efficient, and they're much more environmentally friendly, so that's good. But I have to confess that I miss the fun and the creativity that were involved in the older signs. I mean, where else would you have seen canoe paddles, spare water skis, and the occasional moose antler recycled as direction finders? Oh well. Now, as I recall, the placement and the sturdiness of these signs was of prime importance. I actually remember quite a few summers back while Lisa was making several new signs for our camp in the shape of a wooden canoe and brightly painted red with yellow letters. Lisa asked her father if he had anything we might be able to use for a signpost. Lisa imagined that he might have an old fence post lying around somewhere. But what he came up with instead was in fact this seven foot plus rusty iron pipe that was 50 pounds if it weighed an ounce. Needless to say, this was much more than what we needed. Nonetheless, I was fascinated with this old hunk of rusty iron. It turned out that at one time it had been used as a property line marker, denoting the corner of a house lot somewhere. So this long, heavy pipe had been sunk deeply into the ground. But as far as anyone who ever saw it knew, it only seemed like it was four or five or six inches high, because that was all you could see of it. But of course, looks are deceiving, and anyone who tried to pull it up from the ground immediately found that this post was strong and unyielding. At the time, it occurred to me that that served as a pretty good parable. For while we don't always know everything God is doing, and we're not always aware of God's presence and strength when we're in the midst of trouble, God is, nonetheless, still there. There for us with a kind of depth that we cannot even begin to see. Ultimately, all we know is that when the earth shakes beneath our feet, we remain steady and sure, for we are anchored to the solid rock of God's truth in Jesus Christ, truth that runs very, very deep indeed. And that makes all the difference in our lives. So, hold on tight. But as the writer of Second Peter says, as it's translated in the message, make sure that as you're holding on, you participate in the life of God. And you don't lose a minute in building on what you've been given, complementing your basic faith with good character, spiritual understanding, alert discipline, passionate patience, reverent wonder, warm friendliness, and generous love each dimension fitting into and developing the other. Faith is about holding on, but it's also about growing in that knowledge of faith security and building our very lives upon the anchor that keeps us secure. Because nurturing qualities of goodness, knowledge, self-control, and love within us can only serve to enhance and deepen our faith making us more effective and productive Christians in the world. And hey, let's face it, making us better people as well. People who are fully alive and joyfully aware in every moment of who and whose we are. As Peter puts it, with these qualities active and growing in your lives, no day will pass without reward. Conversely, without them, you can't see what's right before you. That's good for us to remember, because the hard truth is that there are a great many Christians, maybe even some of us, who truly believe and understand the rudiments of our faith, but who, sadly, have a very difficult time living it in any kind of meaningful way. And therein lies the danger. You and I might well be proverbial pillars of faith, But if we are not actively and continually about the business of learning and relearning what it means to live that faith, seeking out ways to apply faith to life's challenges in our relationship with each other, if you and I are not about the spiritual growth, then we run the very real risk of drifting far away from that anchor to which we should always be clinging. Now, don't get me wrong. Most days, it is more than enough for you and I simply to stand firm in the Lord. But there are going to be days when the struggles of life hit hard, and we will need to find the means to withstand everything that comes. We will need to be actively and sincerely seeking to grow in our knowledge of the Lord, to practice the practice of His teachings, so that we might find the needed strength to stand firm and to develop holy and godly lives as we do. Admittedly, this isn't altogether an easy thing to achieve. As with all good things, it takes time, in this instance, a lifetime. A lifetime of devoted study and a goodly amount of prayer for us to find the kind of spiritual depth that we all need to live with faith and integrity. It can be hard work at times. But it's also joyful, and ever and always, the end result is worth it, and it ends up being a true sign of who and whose we are. As Peter says in that epistle, do this, and you'll have your life on a firm footing, the streets paved and the way wide open into the eternal kingdom of our Master and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is a good direction to follow. And so might that be the direction for us all. And that brings us to the close of another episode of Love to Tell the Story. I'm Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening today. And Until next time, stay safe, be well, and may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.